Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 83. I think it's important that kids understand their diagnoses, at least foster kids is what I can speak of. Mm-hmm. And they need to be involved in the process, depending on what else is going on in the child's life. The timing has to be appropriate. Yeah. But I'm always a proponent of open conversation. Kids get it. And mm-hmm. sometimes we don't give them enough credit. They have an understanding. Sometimes even there's these aha moments that can occur and kids can, instead of blaming themselves or feeling the yeah. shame of something, we can now channel and point to something different. And mm-hmm. we have a plan of helping and working through things. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. I am Yakini. Today, I'm going to be talking to a foster mom about ADHD. And the reason why I wanted to talk to Laura is because there are quite a few foster parents out there who have children that have ADHD and have the same types of questions. And so I wanted to get some of her feedback um, and just talk about some situations that she deals with and how does she work through them and just, you know, get another opinion, right? Another thought process. So I am very excited to have her. So hi, Laura. How are you? Hello. Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yay. I am so glad you are here. So please tell the audience a little bit about you. So I'm Laura. I'm in California. I'm a foster parent here. Um, I started down my foster parent journey in 2018 and um, have fostered several kids, but I also moved online um, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok and I work with foster families. I help educate, but also provide support. And ultimately I learn a lot from the community too. That is awesome. So please, we're going to jump right in. Oh, before we do that, um, you know, don't forget to subscribe when you, if you want more information like this. So I try to put something out every week. So please, if you want more content like this, make sure you subscribe. All right. So as a foster parent, obviously you're dealing with multiple children. So what type of typical situations, especially with your ADHD children, do you deal with? Yeah. So it varies, right? So we, you know, it's a very complex situation when a child comes into my care or care of anyone when they have experienced trauma, which is typically neglect, abuse, and they also have a diagnosis of ADHD. So, you know, it's typically, you know, there's these meetings of the minds and a professional team is put on, put in place. There's usually therapy support, support at school, potentially medication management or a psychiatry team. And, um, you know, that's what usually happens or gets set up when the child has a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But I find in my experience, you know, usually kids are not entering care with that type of information. So it's a lot of getting to know the child, providing a, you know, safe, nurturing home for them and advocating for any needs they may have. And it is complex because there's so much overlap between, you know, trauma and ADHD. So it does take time, but you know, what I'm really looking for is, you know, how are they doing in school? What are their, you know, 
behaviors like? Is there anything that's, you know, not something I've seen before? Or, you know, when I talk in, in support group um, and get feedback from other parents like yourself, that's sort of what I'm looking for. Um, and that usually happens down the road. It's not right away. Okay. All right. So when will you talk about support? I mean, what does that look like? It, it sounds like you have different things in place, but give us a specific example. Like what does that support look like? Cause of course, like you said, everything, I mean, mm -hmm. it could be different, yeah. you know, depending on the child. Yeah. So support at school through the IEP process, there's okay. different accommodations that can be there. Um, they, there's also, you know, mental health services. So maybe the child is getting therapy and if the therapist, you know, seems that, you know, maybe there's some traits for ADHD, we might start implementing some things in the home okay. or they help me learn different ways to parent, um, with or without the diagnosis, we start trying things because, you know, in my opinion, you don't need a diagnosis to support a child who is at least showing traits of ADHD. So right. maybe we'll come up with a visual schedule together, or maybe we'll reorganize the bedroom to make it more supportive for sleep. So it's usually a therapist who um, will come in and, and work with all of us to come up with ways to support them in the home. Mm, I love that. And so what happens? So one of the things that parents in general um, sometimes have problems with is really getting that support from school, for example. Mm -hmm. um, advocating, you know, it, it, it's a scary thing, right? Because sometimes they just do not know what to do, what questions to ask. Yeah. So yeah. you happen to have a system um, in place, but I'm sure, you know, you might have run into those roadblocks too. What would you say to yeah. a parent who is struggling with getting that support in school? So I always lead with curiosity. So if I have the ability to talk with the school, depending on, you know, what rights I have as a foster parent, um, I always say, you know, what's typical? Yeah, I'm getting this work back. I'm seeing the grades. What are you typically seeing? Mm -hmm. You know, what, where are the benchmarks or what types of things? Um, you know, I'm getting all these calls from the school that there's behavior problems or I'm getting a report. Is this normal? Um, you know, would they benefit from additional help and resources? So I always try to just push back and lead with curiosity. Mm -hmm. And um, because again, it's a complex situation. And um, I usually try to foster a relationship with the teacher. Okay. I, you know, try to get to know them and get on the same team, right? Because we're all working towards the same thing mm -hmm. and see what small changes um, can be made outside of the IEP experience even. What tiny things could be, you know, implemented in a classroom? For example, I had a teacher once who was like, you know what, I, I have this extra kind of when those wiggle seats, it's just, I'm just gonna have, have them sit on it for a couple of weeks and just see what happens. You know, teachers want to help. And, you know, I think if you go in it with that mindset, like we're all in this together, let's figure this out. Oftentimes accommodations can be tried yeah. in a more informal setting. You know, the IEP process is big and daunting. And as a foster parent, we are sometimes left out of that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I always try to just work with what I have and, you know, start with a relationship and a connection with the teachers. I really like that. And to your point, 
every child isn't diagnosed. So depending on the school system, mm -hmm. some are really supportive with those, ch those children that are diagnosed versus someone that isn't right. And, yes. but it doesn't mean you can't get the support. So both of my children happen to be, be diagnosed. Um, but only one of them are, is on an actual official plan, right? So one mm -hmm. of them is on the IEP. And, but it didn't mean that when I sat down with the school counselor with my daughter, just to talk through some of her struggles, yeah. they were still willing to put things in place for her. Yes. And that's yes. just because to your point, just, you know, having that conversation ahead of time. So in my case, it was before school even started. So having that conversation ahead of time, going into this new school system and going into seventh grade and really, um, just being open with what was going on with my daughter yeah. helped tremendously because to your point, she was ready. She says, okay, okay, this makes sense. We can do this. We can do this. I'll make sure yes. all of the teachers know. <laughs> and we ended up not having to put her on any type of plan. Well, formal plan, because that mm -hmm. worked perfectly for her. So absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Just approaching the topic is so powerful. Yeah. And I will sometimes share stuff that's worked for us. And it kind of creates this like back and forth share because, you know, I've had a teacher, you know, call me about something positive. I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. Now I can try that at home or I can, um, you know, start to implement or accommodate it in a different way at home. Yeah, I love that. So there are a lot of people that are nervous about talking to their kids about ADHD or even being mm -hmm. open about it in the home, right? Especially around other kids might be, you know, around their spouse, just depending on what the situation is. Are you open when it comes to ADHD? Do you guys talk about ADHD in your home? Why or why not? Yeah. So I think that is one positive thing that I, you know, definitely see with the professional teams I work with is we're all honest with the kids. Obviously we have to make everything age appropriate and, you know, be clear and what's that, but yes, we talk about that. And, um, you know, kids in care have gone through a lot and we've had a lot of harder conversations mm -hmm. and we talk about the differences in all of us and, you know, the things we need might be different than what another kid needs or what yeah. I need. And so we are open about it. We always approach it in positive with books to support mm -hmm. or, you know, some different like YouTube things that therapists might have little one to show here and there. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important that kids understand their diagnoses, at least foster kids. That's what I can speak of. Mm -hmm. And, um, they need to be involved in the process. And again, every child and family is different. And depending on what else is going on in the child's life, the timing has to be appropriate. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I'm always a proponent of open conversation. Kids get it. And mm. we I think sometimes we don't give them enough credit. They have an understanding. Sometimes even there's like these aha moments that can occur. And kids can, you know, instead of blaming themselves or feeling the yeah. shame of something they, we can now channel and point to something different. And mm -hmm. we have a plan of helping and working through things. I love that. And then, you know, especially amongst the kids sometimes. So like my children for a long time, um, my daughter was diagnosed second, even though I started the process with my daughter, um, my son ended up being diagnosed first for a long time. Mm -hmm. Right. And 
something weird. I mean, well, I won't say it's weird. It's probably pretty normal, but my daughter was just kind of, it was almost like a little bit of a jealousy because my son was getting now all the attention, <laughs> right? Oh, because we were putting things in place and mm -hmm. um, he was displaying the outwardly, um, you know, the outwardly, I will say, uh, symptoms, you know, like the tantrums, mm -hmm. et cetera, and doing that yeah. in school. And my daughter started off that way, but she just, I mean, in sixth, sorry, when she was six years old, it just kind of stopped where my son, it just continued. Mm. And so he was getting the attention, even though it was negative attention. And she's just, she was a bit jealous about that. Right. How do you deal with, um, and even though we talked about it and she understood, she just saw for a long time, him getting this attention. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with, because you're dealing with foster kids and to your point, they're coming in with so many different situations. So, you know, attention, you know, I, I don't know how your home is set up, but sometimes attention mm -hmm. may go to one child a little bit more than the yep. other. How yep. do you deal with those type of situations? How do you help them understand what's going on with their, you know, their home brother or sister? How, how do you deal with that? Yeah. It can be hard. And I've definitely seen that as well. Now that you bring it up, I'm sort of thinking back to a few times where I've seen the, that happening, but you know, we always, we try to balance as much as we can. Right. So I, I have a husband. And so oftentimes when one person is, we can divide and conquer a little bit. Like when one person has to do a service, the other person can do something else special. Okay. And so we do a lot of that. Um, I will say also, I put things in perspective, you know, oh, well, child one, they have OT at the gym, mm -hmm. but you get to do this other thing. And, you know, I try to like show them some other things going on, but also life is not fair. And these conversations do come up mm -hmm. and I always validate. Right. So, you know, I, I'm there, I listen, I am there to just take it in because oftentimes all of the time, life is not fair for foster kids. Mm. And so we do have to have a lot of conversations about just kind of sitting in those moments and um, doing what we can in those moments to be calm, calm and have peace. And, you know, I try to redirect to happier things and okay. something more exciting, but <laughs> I don't know. I also just, I'm here to validate and hear mm. them out. And yeah, things are not fair sometimes. Yeah. Understood. Understood. So what would you say to parents if they're even struggling on whether they should get their child diagnosed or not? So they really want to get mm -hmm. this official diagnosis, but they're scared of the stigma and just everything that comes around it. A lot of the negativity that they've heard, what would you say to them if they do want a diagnosis and they're yeah, struggling so would... whether to decide, you know, if they would yeah, want to get it for the child yeah. or not? Yeah. So lean on the professionals in your life, your pediatrician, the teachers, and understand what doors potentially would open with a formal diagnosis. Now I'm always really careful as a foster parent, we don't want to overdiagnose because of a, you know, a trauma response we're seeing, mm -hmm. but I also am thinking forward, you know, they need to be successful in school. They need to have a happy, you know, calm life as best they can. And so I always look for the advice of the 
the team, right? So there is a mental health therapist. What do they suggest? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. the pediatrician, oftentimes, you know, your, your physicals and your check-ins, you can ask these questions. What do you think? And they might be able to share with you what can be done without a diagnosis. Here Mm -hmm. are some things to try. If you're kind of, if, you know, can't get a diagnosis because foster parents, we don't have power over being able to get those assessments. Mm. Um, but they can also share with you, you know, with that diagnosis, it will be much easier to get support in school, for example. And that can help sway you in, you know, how you advocate, right? Because the foster parents, we're here to advocate and support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I like to kind of understand what happens next if, you know, a certain diagnosis is now put on paper, because mm-hmm. um, it does change things. And foster kids often are overdiagnosed in my, this is my opinion. I just think that, you know, it's easy to slap a diagnosis on when you're seeing all these kind of trauma related responses. Um, so I always, you know, encourage time and lean on professionals and understanding what will happen next, mm. because if you're not going to change your parenting, you're already doing all the accommodations. We don't really need further diagnosis, you know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. um, where it really comes into play as a foster parent is school. I find that's kind of the biggest place where that diagnosis can really help kids in school. Okay. All right. So the system is really set up differently for foster parents. So that really is a Mm -hmm. piece that comes into play anyhow. Right. That's my understanding. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So if I'm noticing things or I'm seeing, you know, I have concerns or I'm seeing traits that maybe look a little different than what I'm used to, I will ask for an assessment. I will ask for a mental health professional's opinion and advocate for that. But ultimately I don't have say in that. We don't have those rights. And so it is different. Um, But if I come with, here are my reasons and here's my documentation and here's the reports from the school. These are all the reasons why I think we should at least get a professional to weigh in and see what's going on. Then I can advocate for those referrals to be submitted and work with the team. You know, it's, it is different, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's pros and cons of every diagnosis. I always find that um, getting a true diagnosis and understanding your child is always helpful in your parenting. Okay. Very good. Very good. So are there any resources that you use um, just really to help you any books, YouTube channels, anything that you use as a foster parent um, that helps you work with your children? So I am, um, I follow like lots of like yourself creators on Instagram and TikTok that are kind of just like sharing everyday, um, yeah. you know, tips and things to try. Cause I'm like, I'll try it. You know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but we also, you know, I have access to a lot of formal trainings through the foster care system. Oh, so we get free trainings and they are often about IEPs or ADHD or different neurotypes and disabilities and all of that. And so that's usually where I turn is I would say to my case manager, I really am, I'm, I'm seeing these things. I need to, I need to learn more as a caregiver. What do you suggest? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes there's a training that kind of gets spit back and I can at least take that or it's online. Um, but 
I am definitely one of those people still that follows online and tries to just, you know, try a new product or a new game or something to help um, kind of changes depending on the child and where we're at and what we're struggling with. <laughs> and depending on the age and I mean, yeah. yes, <laughs> like, so many things. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we may have missed? Any final thoughts that you would like to share with the parents? Hmm. No, I just, I think that this is important to learn about and, um, you should be aware of all of, you know, the traits and, or the symptoms, things to look out for. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's everyday knowledge and, um, it does affect at least in the foster care world, many children. And so it's important that you take the time to at least get a basic knowledge and understanding of what this means, what you're looking for, and then ultimately how you can modify your own parenting. It's, it's just good to be informed and um, then you're ready. Love it. So Laura, if they want to ask you any more questions or mm -hmm. um, just want to bounce some thoughts off of you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So I do respond to almost all of my DMs. It takes me some time. People are welcome to message me, but to get the, you know, the best response for me, I have a Patreon account. Um, it's as low as a dollar a month. I try to make it accessible to all. And it's much easier for me to respond directly to people and, um, you know, bounce off ideas with them. Right. Cause we're all just trying to, you know, work, work through our week, take it day by day. And I'm always happy to help brainstorm ideas. Right. And also navigate if there's specifically people who are foster parents, I'm more than happy to help brainstorm ways to advocate the system to support a child with ADHD. Perfect. And what are your handles and what's your account? So what is your handle for so, the different? Yep. Yeah, so Instagram is it's, it's the same for Patreon and Instagram at foster.parenting. You can also find me on TikTok. That's just at foster parenting. Okay. Yay. Well, thank you. Awesome. That was really good. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hopefully we can, you know, help all families and caregivers. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is really important topic. It's one thing that people don't realize it, there is differences, right? There is differences mm -hmm. when it comes to foster, foster families in terms of rules. Um, yes. Then it is with those who, whether they adopt or whether it's their, mm -hmm. their guardians um, or biological children, there are differences. So I'm so glad that you were willing to come on and talk about this. Yeah, so thank of course. you. <laughs> no, I'm happy to share. And it's definitely something I've dealt with in the house. So <laughs> awesome. All right, everyone that closes up another episode of ADHD love parent talk. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye, Laura. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD love parent talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review. And join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.